0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to our first edition of Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland. I am your host, Sean Woodland. Today, we hear from CrossFit icon and one of the original Nasty Girls, Annie Sakamoto. This episode of Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland is brought to you by Two Brain Business. To learn more about creating your perfect day as an entrepreneur, book a free call with a mentor at twobrainbusiness.com. Annie Sakamoto has competed at the CrossFit Games twice as an individual. She finished 11th overall in 2011. She has also competed twice in the 40 to 44 year old Masters division, finishing on the podium both times in 2016 and again in 2017. She has been doing CrossFit since 2004 and currently owns and coaches at CrossFit Santa Cruz Central in California. I sat down with her at her gym in Santa Cruz to talk about her role in putting the CrossFit methodology on the map, her career as a competitor, and what it has taken for her to help build CrossFit Santa Cruz Central into a successful business. Enjoy the conversation, and thanks for listening, Annie. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks How you for doing? having me. Really good. How about you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing good. well. Uh, you are currently, so let's get everybody updated, you are currently training to be at the uh, Rogue Invitational. How's that going?
1: Uh, really good. It's just fun to train for something again. So although I don't know how much longer I will compete, mm-hmm. I do like to train like I'm competing, <laughs> so it's been fun to have a goal.
0: What's it like to be referred to as a legend?
1: <laughs> um, well, considering all the gray hair, I do feel very <laughs> legendary, uh, but it's... It, it's funny. It's it's a little awkward to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I don't think of myself as a legend. I just think of myself who's been as someone who's been in the sport mm-hmm. for a really long time. Um, but legend isn't the word that I, <laughs> I would use to describe
0: myself. Veteran, maybe. Veteran. Okay. Yes. Uh, let's let's go back now to so some people who you know, who don't really know you that well. Uh, you were. One of the original nasty girls, and and you found CrossFit in 2004, correct? Correct. How did you stumble upon it in 2004? Because there was really no CrossFit out there at that time,
1: right? So um, I was friends with Eva Tordokens. Mm-hmm. We actually took a hip hop class together <laughs> when I was 18. So like okay. in the in the late 90s or mid 90s, mm-hmm. um, and I had you know periodically I would see her in Santa Cruz. And, um, she said, I'm, I'm doing CrossFit. I really think you should, I was actually teaching a cardio kickboxing class at the time. And so I was kind of into quote unquote fitness and she Mm. was like, you should come to CrossFit. I, I'm a coach there. And I had heard about CrossFit because, you know, granted it was in Santa Cruz. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't really feel like throwing up. I, (laughs) I love my, my Tybo, my kickboxing Mm. and I, I'm getting fit, but I'm not throwing up. And she was like, no, 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 you don't have to throw up. (laughs) You know, come and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just do a personal session with you. And I did it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. I can actually probably out-cardio kickbox her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I came to a class and uh, Greg was coaching that class. And then mm-hmm. that was when I got the full dose okay. of CrossFit.
0: Most people would not have stuck around after getting the full dose that early on, why did you stick around?
1: Well, in my full dose, really, so it was like a, like a staggered start workout. Um, and long story short, I ended up doing 75 glute ham sit-ups all the way back, all the way up. Um, and
0: you'd never done those before? And like I had never way. done okay. them before.
1: So the first day, I was like, oh, wow, I'm kind of sore in my stomach. That feels great. Mm. La da. And by the second day, I was distended. I couldn't <laughs> bend forward. Mm. I couldn't bend backward. I couldn't laugh fart, cough, sneeze, <laughs> anything without being in excruciating mm-hmm. pain. Um, I thought I had a hernia, mm-hmm. and uh, I got through it in about two days. And that for me, I was just one of those people where um, I was hooked. I had yeah. never felt anything like that before. I had never been physically challenged like I was in the workout. Mm-hmm. I had never felt soreness like that. And I'm just one of the those types of people that, like, that hooked me.
0: Mm-hmm. The challenge of it. The challenge yeah. of it, yeah.
1: And I know that, you know, in the early days before we knew how to kind of ramp people in mm-hmm. to CrossFit, that that was a turn off <laughs> yeah. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I get that. Um, but I was one of those people that that was a turn on.
0: <laughs> what made you think that, you know what, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this and I can compete?
1: other people saying that Mm -hmm. because it definitely wasn't me in the early days. Um, you know, 2004, obviously there was no CrossFit games. So a lot of what, um, the competition was, was there was Eva who was, um, a veteran CrossFitter at that time. Um, and then Nicole Carroll started right around the same time as I did. And there were just certain ways that Greg and Lauren would kind of pit us against each other. So each class became like a little mini competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, Eva's 10 years older than I am, so she was already, I think, in her early 40s, um, maybe late 30s by the time mm-hmm. I started, um, but had a lot of years. Nicole loved the heavy lifting. I loved the gymnastics mm-hmm. stuff. So we were actually a perfect yeah. triplet to be competing mm-hmm. against each other. Um, and it really wasn't until the games came around in 2007 mm-hmm. that there was true competition. Right. Uh, and that year, I did not compete. And that was a lot of that was because I just had my daughter Mm -hmm. about nine, nine months or 10 months before that. Um, and then I was actually really scared to compete the first few years that there was the CrossFit games. And for me, a lot of that was because I had gotten so much notoriety on the main site Mm -hmm. for so many years that I thought the, the community would have kind of an expectation of how I would do at the games and if I didn't meet that expectation, I would be letting everybody down. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's just silly. You know, in retrospect, that's ridiculous yeah. because what you know about the CrossFit communities, they love you no matter where right. you place at the games. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Um, so obviously I, I, so I didn't compete for the first four or five years that the games happened. And then in 2011, I did the open. That was the first year mm-hmm. of the open because a lot of people at our gym were doing it and I wanted to do it in solidarity. I found myself qualifying for regionals and was like, I'm not going to do regionals. There's no way. And a couple people talked me into doing it. They were like, you made it. You might as yeah. well go. And I was like, okay, I'll go. But I'm not training for the games, so it's fine. I won't actually qualify for the games. And I ended up qualifying for the games. Yeah. And um, it, China Cho and I tied right. for points. Mm-hmm. But I won the tiebreaker because I had a first-place finish. And whether she had um, heard... That I didn't want to go, or she just could tell, I don't know, but she approached me afterwards, after we had been on the podium, and in my mind, I still was not going to the CrossFit Mm -hmm. Games, and she took me aside, and she said, you better go to the Games, (laughs) and that was that moment, I was like, that's it, I'm going.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned notoriety on the main site. A lot of that was because of that original, you know, nasty girls video. And there are a lot of famous videos from the media history, but that is one of the most famous ones. And you're part of that group that you've mentioned of, you know, Nicole and, and Eva T that really helped put this exercise regimen on the map. Mm-hmm. What was the sense amongst the three of you when, when you were involved in this that of what you were doing? Did it just seem, you know, this isn't going to be anything special. We're just working out.
1: Yes. That is exactly what it was. We mm-hmm. did not think that we were revolutionizing mm-hmm. fitness, both how females could see what the potential was as far as fitness went, and then males even have yeah. said that video, you know, jump started my career with CrossFit. Um, and that was, to us, that was just a normal day at the gym, mm-hmm. uh, a video that, Greg and Lauren had thought up a workout, a vision that they had, but I don't think we thought it was going to be this this big deal, and, and especially um, something that would stick around for so many years. Yeah.
0: When did you know that, wait a minute, this is actually something kind of revolutionary and special?
1: Um... <laughs> Last year? No. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it was funny. They, they People would say, oh, the video got this many hits. Oh, mm-hmm. the video got that many hits. And um, at one point I said something to my husband like, oh, it has a thousand hits now or mm-hmm. what, a hundred thousand hits. And he was like, Annie, it's called Nasty Girls. People don't think they're going to get an, ex- they're getting an exercise video. Well, while I'm
0: here, I might as well, you know, <laughs> stick around. <laughs> He's like, that's why it has so
1: many hits. Um, but it, yeah, I... I don't know. I guess at some point it was years later mm-hmm. um when people would say oh the nasty girls video you know yeah. jump started mm-hmm. me starting crossfit that I guess I I realized it but to us for so many years at least for me that was not a a big deal that yeah.
0: video right because that's what, what you did on, that's on just a daily what we basis did. exactly to me in 2011 that was really the year that your first year at the games that mm-hmm. i think it started to kind of hit the launching pad as far as popularity goes what was the sense uh, on your end being on the competition floor of where this thing was headed
1: well i was in awe just that at in 2011 you know because mm-hmm. obviously i was at the 2007 games the first games in aromas um and even that was like wow, I can't believe we're doing this you know it was always something that had been chatted about in the background um, but I, it was amazing that it was actually happening so 2011 yeah. fast forward just four years the fact that ESPN yeah. um, was was putting it on and that uh, that there was a purse from Reebok mm-hmm. it was unbelievable to me that it had gotten that big that quick. Mm-hmm fast forward a couple more years right. it's on CBS sports mm-hmm. I, it's unbelievable how fast it has it has gained popularity
0: what's your most memorable moment from being out there in 2011
1: um probably there's two and it's um they they kind of equally hold a place in my mm-hmm. heart and one is the heavy sled push that oh, yeah. we had to do mm-hmm. and i remember the first time i went to push it it did not budge yeah. and i was like oh my God, I'm going to sit here for however many minutes and just try to push this sled and it's not going to go anywhere. And um, I stepped back and I hit it one more time and it moved. And I just remember hearing the crowd. I rarely actually can hear the crowd. And that was the one time I just heard the crowd erupt in cheers. And it was such a triumphant moment Mm -hmm. to move that sled and hear the crowd. Um, And then on the flip side, when we did the Killer Cage event, um, I remember the heat before um, watching um, one of the ladies just be stuck, yeah. and she was suffering, and I just remember thinking, <laughs> oh my God, I hope that's not me yeah. on the next heat, and, it, and indeed it was, mm-hmm. and I remember all the girls in my heat were done, and I was, like, I still had at least a full round to go, and I... I wanted nothing more than to, the lights to go out, the clock to go off, and everybody <laughs> yeah. to just go away. Mm. I didn't want to keep going. Yeah. And I had a real internal battle of like staying on the bike and and grabbing the barbell and trying to get it onto my shoulders and trying to squat it and just trying to stay in it for every last second of that mm. time cap. Um, and I did, and that in itself was a triumphant moment. because yeah, I, I and, wanted nothing more than to just shrink into the crowd.
0: Yeah, and I was saying, i was actually, while you were saying that, I'm thinking that probably to you, even though you didn't do as well as you'd want in, in that event, personally, that has to feel great that you, you had that voice in your head that everyone has had, that I'm going to quit, I don't want to do this, and yet you made it through it.
1: Exactly. Every There was every reason in me to quit, mm-hmm. and for me at that moment, there was nothing, there was no reason to keep going, Yeah. and I talked myself into continuing on and there's some great photos too from that event um where i'm i I have that uh that 155 on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and i think it's like there's jen Lebon, rebecca Voigt and a bunch of girls in the background and they're just shouting at me (laughs) and i just i I love that it's such a memorable moment for me because they wouldn't let me give up either
0: i remember watching it and it was in the crowd was in the crowd that year and it was that was fantastic yeah Yeah. it's certainly something i'll remember we are currently in your gym here at crossfit santa cruz central it's a great Uh, great facility how did you come to get involved in this
1: so um in 2007 2008 I you know by then Lauren and Greg had moved to Arizona Mm -hmm. um and I was managing the original gym just kind of I was one of the trainers but I was helping them manage the gym since they were living in Arizona and we realized um that it just wasn't working. It was too hard for them. It was too hard for us. It was. It, I, I would have to, you know, call Lauren like, hey, we need toilet paper. Can you order yeah. toilet paper? So a couple of us decided to break off and start our own gyms. And by chance, um, we saw a sign. There was a couple of us uh, at the end of the street, literally 200 meters from the original gym, that there was a building for lease. Mm-hmm. So we walked down, it was right at the end of the cul-de-sac, and we we looked at the building and it was absolutely perfect for Mm. what we wanted, and um, that was 11 years ago.
0: 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. selling CrossFit to people. Is probably different than it is now. How, how did you ha- get people into your gym? Uh, well, we were really
1: lucky ago. because because we were 200 meters from the original mm-hmm. gym. We took a lot of the original clientele with us. Okay. And, um, and you know, Greg has always said this. Your best billboard is your clientele, mm-hmm. right? So, um, we because we had so many people that had been doing it for years... Mm-hmm. Um, We really relied on them. We didn't do any advertising outside of just having a lot of the original members, a lot of people that had already been doing it for multiple years and were getting great results. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they were 40, 50 years old. They were working professionals. They were coming in for an hour a day and they were fitter than they had been in their entire life.
0: How did you grow from that point?
1: That took a little more creativity Mm -hmm. for sure. So, um, you know, that we tried some different kind of um, deals and different right. things like that but really what we what we realized is the the best way to do it is to rely on our clients yeah. um you know we tried some saturday free classes it really it's the attrition rate that's so hard in crossfit mm-hmm. right you can get people in the door it's keeping them in the gym um and we you know that ebbs and flows for sure um but we we really rely on our current clientele mm-hmm. and what they're doing and the and the results that they're getting to get more people in the gym
0: you mentioned that attrition rate what what are some of the solutions you that you have found or things that you do to make sure that you know people do keep coming back through your door,
1: I think the best thing so so the way that we get people into the classes is we require four personal training sessions, mm-hmm. and that's so we can teach them um, especially the Olympic lifts um, and obviously some of the power lifts and and then just get them introduced to the stimulus mm-hmm. after those four personal sessions, we say that they're class ready and we're lucky because all of our trainers are um, smart enough, they've been around long enough that they can modify any of our group classes um, so that they can fit the needs of somebody who's brand new. But that's usually when, you know, they'll come to their first one or two classes and then we kind of, we don't see them again. So the, the thing for us is to email, call, text, these people that have just entered the classes like, you know, you you, you did a great first, or you, I saw that you had your first class. How did it go? What do you think? When are you going to be in again? Um, and, and that's on us to really keep communicating with these people. Um, you were in your second class. How are you feeling? How'd that class go? You know, and, and to just stay on them until it becomes habit that they're coming in the gym.
0: What are some of the things that you figured out that you had no idea were critical to running a gym or running a business in general and then and you figured out, okay, I have to do this to be successful
1: Good question. <laughs> um, I, I would say it really does come down to keeping the people coming in the gym and to not letting people slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So we'll have people that have been coming in for years and for whatever reason they they'll get out of the habit. You know, maybe a kid got sick, mm-hmm. or they stubbed their toe, they sliced their finger open, and they stopped coming in. Um, and it's and it's really easy, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. So we don't see Sean for a couple of days, and we think, oh, something's, you know, maybe he's on vacation, if he forgot to tell us. And then all of a sudden, four weeks later, we're like, wait, we still haven't seen Sean. Mm-hmm. So that's when it becomes really important for us to reach out. Um, it's really easy, I think, for people to they get, like I said, they get out of the mm-hmm. habit of coming in the yeah. gym. And unless somebody gets on them, like, Sean, we miss you. When are you coming back? Hey, Sean, we did a great workout today. You should come in. Um, Until that happens, it's really easy for people to stop coming in. Again, if you're in the habit of coming in, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. then we see you all the time. So that's probably been what can contribute to us retaining clients, which is, you know.
0: Because I guess you would figure that if someone's walking into your doors, they're motivated anyway. Exactly. But even those people need to... You need to help keep them motivated.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, really, there's, there is there um, is a, you know, a, a percentage, but it's a smaller percentage of those people that, um, I can think of a couple, but that have been <laughs> coming in four or five times a week, year after yeah. year after year. Um, and really, when you're looking at 40, 50-year-old working professionals mm-hmm. with kids, it's much more the case that they come in for a year or two or a few months, mm-hmm. and then they... Something happens that gets them out of the habit of coming to the yep. gym and we don't see them. And unless we um, communicate or actively on them about getting back in the gym, mm-hmm. um, we may never see them again. Yeah. And we've had we've made that mistake before. Yeah. And it's and it's funny, you know. We'll, we won't see somebody for a while and then we'll, oh gosh, we need to text and we need to call them. And as soon as we send that text, that email, that call, they're like, wow, I really appreciate you reaching right. out.
0: It is amazing how much just a little personal touch and just a little personal communication, how far that goes.
1: Almost, almost undoubtedly, they're back in within the next three days. That's great. And they could have been gone for two years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as we reach out, like, God, Sean, we haven't seen you in a yeah. while. How are you doing? <laughs> Hope to see you again literally within like 3 days they'll be back wow. in the
0: gym. How has the process of running and operating a, a gym changed for you over the past, you know, 10 years that you've been involved in this?
1: Um it, personally, when it was the, the original five that opened the gym, I did a lot more of the the kind of the computer work, the the back-end work. Um one of our owners now used to run. She was like the head of operations, and so she does a lot of the work now. All the spreadsheets, all the you know paying out the trainers, and that's a huge help to yeah. me. Um, so in some ways, I've lightened my load, even though we're down to mm-hmm. just three owners. Um, but it's 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 a little bit of a juggle for me too, being trying to be a competitive athlete mm-hmm. when I was. Being a mother of two young children, um, the nice thing about the gym is a lot of the stuff that I do, I can do at home. Mm -hmm. So I can do it at 8 o'clock at night when, you know, people are in bed. Um, But a lot of what I've realized, too, is is I need to be in the gym. Mm -hmm. So I used to never teach afternoon classes because... That's when my kids are home from school. Now that they're a little bit older, I can teach afternoon classes. And it's good because I'm connecting with some of the clientele that I otherwise didn't even yeah. know because mm-hmm. I was only here in the mornings.
0: I'm always fascinated how how gyms train their trainers. Uh, I've, you know, I've been to some gyms where and I'm sure you have too. You're kind of like, how did that guy become a coach? <laughs> yeah. How do you here at uh, Santa Cruz Central make sure that you know all your coaches are servicing the clients in the best way possible?
1: Um we don't have a ton of coaches mm-hmm. which is good that makes it pretty easy. Okay. Um we and we really like and ask our coaches. I mean all of our coaches have come from the community. Mm-hmm. So they were all clients first. And that's great because I feel like our clients trust other clients. Mm-hmm. You know it's like it's not like some guy just came in off the street right. that doesn't know them. Mm-hmm. Um so that's probably what's helped us out the most. Is there we don't have any coaches that weren't first clients
0: i'm sorry what, what do you think makes a good coach
1: i think empathy mm-hmm. number one <laughs> is is de- definitely it you know and and the constant desire to learn because i mean things that we used to do 10 years ago we would never there's oh, some yeah. things that we would never do now yep. we're like oh my gosh <laughs> um and then there's some things that we're still doing the same mm. but i think that that constant desire to learn and the willingness to evolve and change oh I would never do that the way I used to do that. Or I now know a better way of doing it, um, is really big, but then also the empathy piece Mm -hmm. and that can be physical and mental empathy for people, right? Like it's easy for those of us that have been doing CrossFit for years to think, Oh, it's a 400 meter run. It's no big deal. That's my recovery. And then you see somebody come in and maybe they don't look like they can't run 400 meters, but they haven't run 400 Mm -hmm. meters. And to just understand, um, how to approach somebody so that you don't make them feel bad right. for that. And then also, like, you know, we have people that come in and, and they might be having a bad day for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. and we as coaches have to figure out a way to connect with them and motivate them without scaring them off. Um, maybe it's, it's an active rest day for somebody. But, you know, as coaches, <laughs> right. you have to have a lot of tools in your bag depending on who you're dealing with.
0: The flip side of that too is that, and I've known a lot of gyms that have had this problem where you have clients that are just not, they just don't fit. How do you deal with that?
1: (laughs) There's a great book um, that I read and it's called uh, Conscious Coaching, the Art and Science of Building Mm Buy-In. And it's a great book because it really is, there's, you know, in any given class, there might be seven different personalities that you're going to have to deal with. And let's face it as coaches, as much as we need to know, um, you know, basically the kinesiology, the, the anatomy, the, why are we doing this? How are we doing this? I think as a CrossFit coach, as a coach of a class of seven to 20 people, you, you need to be a therapist. You need to understand (laughs) what a, what a personality is like and how you're going to deal with that personality in that class for that workout. Um, And so that's a lot of what I feel like makes a good coach Mm -hmm. is being able to motivate and manipulate the many different personalities you're going to have in any given class.
0: You, I'm sure, travel to a lot of gyms and have dropped into a lot of gyms around the world and around around the country. What's the first thing that kind of catches your eye as to whether or not you think this is going to be a good place or this might not be so good?
1: Well... First of all, I'm horrible about going. To the gym. <laughs> when I'm on vacation, <laughs> okay. I go you true vacation okay. mode. Yep, but um, uh, definitely the organization of the gym. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you walk in, stuff's everywhere. Yeah, um, that is not a great feel. Um, so that's one thing, <laughs> and uh, the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. That's a big one really? for me. Yeah, and maybe it's so? because we have this gigantic, you amazing whiteboard, um, and. Just because that is, you know, if you think about you're walking into a gym, you're walking up to your class and it's the presentation of information. Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing today? Yeah. And so for me, it really matters. Is there a warm-up written up? Yeah. Is there a plan? Is it willy-nilly? Um, and so the whiteboard is actually a big one for me.
0: Yeah, and it's weird. I have been in those cases where you show up to class and there's nothing written up there, and you're going, D- wait, are we making this up as we go along? And, exactly. And it does instill you with some confidence when you see there is a plan written up. Like, oh, okay, I can I can do this.
1: Yes, exactly. And I know where I'm going and what to expect. And that's, you know, I mean, that it's okay to, go kind of off the cuff sometimes Mm -hmm. too i'm totally down with that but is there a general idea of what we're going to do today
0: what is the best piece of advice that you can give someone who is either thinking about opening a gym or has just opened a gym and are trying to get this thing off the ground to make it successful putting you on the spot yeah exactly (laughs) the
1: best piece of advice just to to surround yourself with people that you trust um and that you think have your best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. So whether that be your clients, um, the people that are going to work with you, it, f- for us, for the way we run this gym, um, you know, we're not, we're not driving around in Rolls Royces yeah. off of what <laughs> we do with this gym. It's really because we love mm-hmm. being trainers um, and that's, it, it's got to come from a passion for helping people. Uh, and and being surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded.
0: Is there something you would say, you know, for the love of God, do not do this. Don't make this mistake. Or what's a mistake that you've made that you think, you know what, uh, that's... That I learned a whole lot from that, and my it, business is better because of it. It
1: would probably be offering up things for free or for a very discounted price.
0: Yep, I would, yeah. I've heard that a lot. Yeah,
1: because people... Um you know, they value something if they have to pay for it. Right. And if they don't, it, they're not going to value it the same way. And I, I remember, um, you know, having free classes and people would just bomb that free class over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And, but they did not value it. It was free. Right. And when you make people pay for it, they they approach it very mm-hmm. differently so that, you know, it's really easy to think, oh, I'm just going to give it for free or for very cheap. But it's kind of a trap in yeah. my mind. Especially what, for what we're doing, for
0: sure. Yeah, because and, and I've I have been parts of those gyms where they've offered Groupons and you get like you said, you get a massive influx of people, and then once that thing is over, they leave because yep. it's you know that they didn't value it exactly. I mean, you might get a few to stick around, but uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how many gyms still do that. Me too. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to that, that it that it pays off. Right. Um, what makes a gym you think successful? The community. Yeah. Yeah. How so? Um.
1: Because because. That, I mean, I think the programming is obviously very important, Mm -hmm. but if the community isn't behind it, if they're not unified, um, then you've kind of lost, to me, what the essence of CrossFit is. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, CrossFit is unique not just because of the workout, but because of how the community rallies around the workout and around each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And if your community is kind of fractured or not a community – I think you're you're not going to experience those moments of triumph right. or defeat the same way that you do when you have a community mm-hmm. that's really tight.
0: How do you cultivate that it's within these top, walls?
1: Top down, right? Yeah. It starts with how you act when you work out, when you coach, mm-hmm. um, and that's what your clients will mimic. I mean, it's just like your kids, right? You can say, don't do this. If you're doing it, mm-hmm. they're going to do it too. Yeah. You have to walk the walk. And so I really think that it comes to how you behave as a coach. And then ideally, hopefully you're working out around or with your community at some point, whether it's in the class or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing your own training on the side and it's, you know, if you're throwing tantrums, well, what do you think your clients are going to do?
0: Yeah. And the thing too, that a lot of coaches are also very competitive, like you said, like to do their own thing. right? But it is so important to see that coach in a class every now and then. To me, as a member, you know, I've been a member of gyms, and when I see that, I, I don't know why, but that just has a, it, I really enjoy that, because it's like you said, it's just, huge. it's like walking the walk.
1: Exactly, exactly, that's it. It's, it's you know, if you're putting up programming on the board every day, and but you're always only doing your right. own stuff, it's like, so are you better than the programming exactly. that you're yeah. putting up for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really think that it, you're, your community, your clients, just treasure it when you're sure. in the trenches with them. Yeah. You know, you're suffering with them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very impactful. It's, like I said, I do a lot of my own training, you know, because I I have been in past years trying to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to make it a point to jump in some classes here yeah. and there. And I people always comment to me like, wow, it was so fun to have you in class today. And you're like, oh, yeah. And it was actually so fun to be in class. Yeah, you kind of
0: forget what that's like when you're kind of off on your own all the time. Yeah. What is the best part of this whole thing for you, being part of this gym and being a coach and a business owner?
1: There is not one day that I dread coming to work. Yeah. Every single morning that I wake up, and I'm working seven days a week right now, Mm -hmm. every single morning that I wake up, I'm like, ooh, I get to go to the gym. Because, like, what we are doing— um, coaching CrossFit is we are making people's lives better. Mm-hmm. Um, in one way or another, physically, mentally, emotionally, we are making their lives better. And there's a million jobs out there that can't say that they are making somebody's life better mm-hmm. every day. And I feel like we can say that hands down Pretty much every day that yeah. somebody walks in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, and especially if you have a good attitude. Yeah. If you walk in and you, hey, Sean, how are you today? That alone will guarantee change somebody's day. Mm-hmm. Never mind if you get them up the rope for the first time right. or it's they deadlift too. Yeah, yeah. Right. But um, just, and then seeing people physically accomplish things that they did not think were possible uh, is pretty
0: special. What does now the future hold for you as far as your competitive career? What do you think that looks like here in the next couple of years?
1: That's a really good question.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people are asking that right now, right, exactly. of a lot of different people,
1: <laughs> right? Whether they're forty three yep. or twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's uh, you know, there's one side of me just because my kids are getting older and they have a lot of sports and activities, and I, I want to be able to focus on them. Um, I had a lot of years that I was focused on myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think to be a higher level competitive athlete, you, you, by nature, you have to be selfish. And it was almost easier when my kids were a little bit younger and they didn't have as many of their own activities. So now that they're older and they have lots of their own sports and I don't want to miss one of their games, you know? So it's hard to say It, it happens fast. So who knows in five or six years where I'll be. It it's funny. I can't think of myself not training like I'm competing, but I don't know that um, I I'll, I'll be competing mm-hmm. for a few years. But I really enjoy training yeah. like I'm competing.
0: Yeah. Why do you I think ju- that is?
1: I don't know. I I maybe because and I get my programming from Jason Lyden. He's mm-hmm. my coach. Um, and maybe a lot of it is that extra push. I mean, yeah. let's face it, CrossFit is all about like doing things that you didn't think you could do. Right. You start a workout, you're like, "Nah, I don't know. I don't think I can do it." And then when you complete it, it's that that sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um so that might be part uh, that's probably a big part yeah. of it. But again, I'm actually also really looking forward to jumping into the group classes again. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah.
0: What do you, what are you and this will be the last question and because I know you got to get going here and again, you're appreciate good. your time. What are you most proud of? what you've accomplished this this whole process that you've been on for the last uh, 15 years
1: um my integrity within the sport yeah um I think I'm known as somebody who doesn't cheat movements who doesn't cheat in general and that is genuinely a happy friendly person I will attest to (laughs) all of that yes (laughs) and um and that yeah that makes me happy I think Mm -hmm. I have pretty good integrity within the sport um and within my own gym.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent agree with that, having been around thank you and you. having the pleasure to work with you over at HQ on the update show and stuff. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Annie. I yes. uh, appreciate you having having me into your gym and, and you know, giving us some insight on how things run here and best of luck thank at you. the Rogue Invitational.
1: Thank you. See you there.
0: Yeah. Once again, I want to thank Annie Sakamoto for taking the time to sit down with me. You can follow Annie on Instagram at Annie Kamiko. that's A-N-N-I-E-K-I-M-I-K-O, if you're interested in keeping up with all that she has going on as a coach, mom, and an athlete. Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland is brought to you by Two Brain Business. To learn how to generate profit, and take your business to the next level, check out founder, farmer, tinker, thief, by Chris Cooper. It's available now on Amazon. And if you want me to read it to you, I'll literally do that in the audio version. So make sure you check that out. Never miss an episode of this podcast by subscribing to Two Brain Radio on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Sean Woodland. We'll see you next time.